Good morning. How are you guys? Good to see you. Good to see you. If you're joining us online, thanks so much for joining us. If you're listening to a podcast this week at a gym, wherever, thanks for joining us through the miracles of modern technology. How about that, huh? But this is the place to be. It's always better live, right? Yeah, come on. Uh, do we have some veterans in the room today? If you, will you please stand up so we can celebrate you and honor you? Put our hands together. Thank you so much for serving our country and uh, being willing to lay down your life for us. We, we, we hope and pray that today is a day of honor and, and love and respect that you receive from your family and friends. Thanks so much. Uh, let's see. Uh, man, last week was pretty cool. I don't know if you were here or not. We celebrated our, our uh, ninth anniversary, and uh, we had several baptisms. Can we put our hands together for all the people that got baptized last week? That was pretty cool. If you were one of those who got baptized, thank you so much for letting us be a witness to your journey, uh, hear your story, and uh, we, we have to see you take these significant steps uh, in the ways of Jesus as, as his apprentices. So thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to make a little announcement here for just a moment, and we're going to get back into like week three of Anxiety Free, all right? So if you're, if you're new to our church, if you're exploring faith, you're thinking about becoming an apprentice of Jesus, or you're just like, you know, from out of town or whatever, we had some Wisconsin Packers fans. I'm so glad they got out of here. Um, earlier. And so wherever you're from, though, except for Wisconsin, um, just count light bulbs or something for just like, like three minutes, okay? I want to talk to the family. So a little insider talk. If you call Restoration Your Church, this is, like, this is my church family. I just want to speak to you about our year and offering just briefly. I mentioned it last week. Uh, I just want to keep it kind of frontal for a while, and, and uh, then I'll get quiet here in like four weeks. Maybe not. Um, depending on what happens. So this, we always do a year and offering every single year. And we talk about two pockets. Your, your right pocket, that's, that's how we just pay the bills around here, and we, we forward the mission. We keep the mission going, loving people into a lifestyle of passionately following Jesus. But then we have this other pocket for like special offerings and stuff, and every year at the end of the, uh, the year, we, we try to uh, raise some, some funds for things that are really cool that we didn't budget for back in, in July because our ministry year is July to June. And, and this year, is, we got some cool stuff. So first of all, a, a young adult ministry, uh, we want to pay for a resident to help us start a young adult service, 18 to 24, in case you're wondering, what is a young adult? And we want to start dorm Bible studies and discipleship groups over in the, in the Greek system, but also outside of DU, uh, lots of just groups where we're raising up disciples and training up leaders for today's church, but also tomorrow's church, like Tanner, who is just up here. He's a resident. So we're, we want to bring on more residents and allow them to go on and plant churches in the future. And so a little bit of cash for that. And then uh, we have four church planters that, that need resourcing, but we didn't put them in the budget. One was Rodney and Gina, if you, if you know them. They were on a video last week. Want to help support couples like that. And then uh, Calcutta. We, we've, by the way, we have a medical mission team right now on the, on the field there. And I think they had their first day out. And so please, please, please pray for them because Calcutta is not Hawaii, okay? It's, it's kind of rough. And so please pray, pray for their emotional, mental, physical, spiritual health. But they're, they're there pulling teeth and, and doing all kinds of things to heal people, and it's, it's really important what they're doing. But we have a school over there, and uh, through a golf tournament, we just were able to raise money to build a house for the teachers, for our schools, so not have to commute so far. But we, they are constantly in need of, of resourcing, so we want to raise some, some cash for them. Also, Hope in Our City, which works with refugee children. And, and then, uh, so we're going to give to ministry partners and church plants, but then also, we want to do something for our, this sacred space that God gave us nine years ago. And you know how you go through seasons where you look at your house and you go, uh, this, this kitchen's got to go, <laughs> or this bathroom's got to go? Well, we've been doing that around here for a little bit. Like the, the, the hallway, it's just got to go, okay? 
I tried to get past Ben a few minutes ago. I couldn't. Someone hit me and smelled my coffee. I'm like, I'm just done with this, all right? So we're going we're gonna to try to widen the stairwell, the doorway coming in, the stairs going down to the kids' ministry, and the stairs coming up to the sanctuary. You, is that a good idea? Yeah. I had a hunch that was going to be an easy sell. And then uh, we're going to have like a little elevator for our friends who are, have uh, handicaps. And then we're going to add two bathrooms upstairs in that back corner because I can tell when you need to go. And it's distracting, let me tell you. So those are for me. But there'll be uh, unisex bathrooms, handicap access, and then we're going to fix up the bathrooms downstairs. So the cool thing is this doesn't cost a whole lot. Just $250,000. Five of you laughed. <laughs> Thank you for laughing with me. Yeah, I'm smiling. Uh, so it's the biggest year in offering we, we've ever done. But here's what I know. Every time uh, we've had an offering, we have always exceeded what we needed. And here's why. Uh, financial initiatives are actually spiritual initiatives. It's, it's ultimately not about just raising money. It's about what God wants to do in our hearts. So again, I'm speaking to you if you call Restoration your church. And here's my ask. I'm not going to track you down for a dinner or coffee and ask you to give, you know, like with Pyramid, like a, this many, this size gifts and blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to do that. that we, we never do that. Here's what we do. We just ask everyone to pray, including our kids' parents. Little tiny kids, they can give a quarter or whatever. High school, everybody. If everybody engages... And just simply ask God, what do you want me to give? It's not about just coming up with some strategic number to help you with your tax returns. It's about asking God to speak to you. And if you'll do that, if we'll all do that, we all engage equally, not equal gifts or sacrifice, but equal engagement, then we'll have all the resources we need. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's do that. Okay, uh, week three of this anxiety-free series we've been doing, this series has kind of blindsided me, to be honest. I had no idea uh, just how much of an epidemic anxiety is. But every week, I've got people telling me out in the parking lot, I, I am stressed out. I'm anxious. I had several today say, I'm always doing what you do. You wake up in the middle of the morning, like 2 a.m. And I'm, I do that every single day. And I, I, we had dinner with a couple who's here right now, and we just adore them. And uh, the wife shared how she wakes up with this feeling like there's this pressure on her chest every single morning. I think some of you know what that's like. Okay. And then I've had my own awakening. I thought I wasn't anxious because I'm great at denial. I'm like an expert at denial. And then my wife said, no, you're actually a stress ball. You're like a super type A stress ball, but I love you. And then my doctor said, yeah, if you don't get fixed, you know, with your, your sleep habits, you're going to get Alzheimer's when you're like 57 or something. I'm 56. He didn't say that. Um, so he said, you, you got to, he gave me these, this trazodone. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so I'm realizing how anxious I am. I mean, even last night, I was up from 2 to 4 just grinding on stuff. And so we just live in the age of anxiety, right? Don't say amen to that. But Because it's not a good thing. And it's not what God wants for us. He wants us to have peace. And so last week, we looked at some of the writings of the Apostle Paul. He has this little tiny thesis about anxiety in Philippians chapter 4. And he's running out of some very anxious inducing circumstances. He's, he's in a jail cell in the backyard of, of Nero's palace, and Nero and his, his soldiers are keeping a close eye on him because he's a threat to the whole empire, because he's, he's not saying Caesar is Lord, he's saying Jesus is Lord, and that could just change everything. And, and Nero actually killed him later, uh, after these writings around 67 AD, we know from extra-biblical sources, he was killed by, by Nero. And yet he had this incredible amount of peace. In fact, people call this letter to the Philippian church the, the joy letter, because Paul's just effervescent with joy and with peace. He's like, he's like John Elway when we actually win a game. You know, like for a week. He's really happy. Should I have not said that? Um, 
And, and Paul's like, wow, I'm alive. I'm still alive. I didn't die today. But he even says, but if I die, that's okay. That's, that's a gain also. And so no matter what his circumstances were, he was able to transcend his circumstances and find peace and power and joy. And so we're going to learn some more from him today. So I'm going to start off with a, a passage in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, we read part of this passage last week. I'm going to add a verse. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Uh, the verses will be on the screens, but they're also in the app in the notes section for this message. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, help me, help me, help me, thank you, thank you, thank you, if you were here last week, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace is possible, he's saying. And then he says in verse 8, he shifts from the spiritual game and the spiritual cause of anxiety that we talked about last week and a spiritual solution to, to the mental game. Mental causes of anxiety and mental solutions. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So what he's saying here is, is our thoughts have a huge impact on our state of being. And if we think anxious thoughts, we're going to be anxious. If we think about the promises of God, and if we focus our minds on things that are true and noble and right and pure and excellent and all that, we're, we're going to have a different state of being. We're going to have more peace, more joy, more power. And so here, this is my ask today of all of us, is that we would, for the next 20-ish minutes, think about what we think about. That's the big idea. Just think about what you think about. And we're going we're to talk about anxious thoughts and how we think about those thoughts. Now, they really don't help us. They just make us more stressed out. And we're going to think about the promises of God and, and thoughts that bring peace and then how to replace the two. You up for that? You, you ready to get some peace? All right, because this is what God wants for us. He does not want us to be a bunch of anxious, anxious stress balls. He wants us to have the peace of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you want peace for your apprentices. And so I pray right now that even this moment, we could experience the peace of your Holy Spirit. I pray that for myself. It's been a busy week like like many people have had, and I, I need your peace. So slow us down a little bit and um, help us hear from your Holy Spirit and, and teach us how to have the mind of Christ and the peace of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Okay, let's, uh, let's begin with thoughts that we think that, that lead to a- anxiety. So I was just cataloging this week in my journal, like thoughts I think that always stress me out, and one of them is what if. What if, fill in the blank. Do you do this? Like you do the what if scenarios? Like, like, like what if I lose my job or what if I get rejected on Tinder? Or, you know, w- w- here's one for me. You know, what, what if we have like, you know, a depression economically? Uh, one, of, one of my what ifs is what if somebody catches me scratching my rear when I'm walking around Wash Park? Because I really like doing that. You too? I hear you. And so I'm like, I do it all the time. I go, someone from restoration is going to see that. And so anyway, I'm just trying to get ahead of the game. I do that, okay? <laughs> So we all have these what-if things. What if, what if this? What if that? What if I get caught? What if? What if? What if? And, and that question is not very helpful to ask. What if? Fill in the blank. Ecclesiastes 7.10 says, Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. That is a great statement. The author of that little proverb in Ecclesiastes is saying, there are some questions that are really wise and helpful, and there are other questions that are really foolish. So he's saying, if you ask the question, why were the old days so much better? Why were the 80s like so much better than right now? They weren't. They weren't. I mean, I I was there. Hairstyles, clothing, the economy sucked. 
it was bad. But anyway, whenever, you know, whenever you're thinking about the past, go, oh, this is so much better. We idealize it and romanticize it. This man of wisdom is saying, that's a waste of time. In fact, all the spiritual traditions have a handful of things in, in common with each other. And, and so Jesus taught what other religious leaders have taught, and that is if you want to be happy, you want to have joy and peace, you need to be right here, present in this moment. That's where you find joy and peace because right now, God has all these incredible gifts he wants to give every single one of us. Is that good news? So he's saying be right here because right now God's doing something. He's going to give you something right now, okay? But, but there are other questions that are foolish, and one of those questions being, being what, what if, fill in the blank. And we, we all, I think we, most of us do this. So I've been doing this recently. I, I, I had my uh, MRIs on my knees recently, and my, my orthopedic uh, potential surgeon, she was looking at the x-rays, and she goes, yeah, you got really bad knees. Like, your knees are jacked up. And then she showed me, she goes, over here you have a little cartilage, but as you go laterally, you have no cartilage. You're like bone on bone. And I said, well, surely there's something you can do about that. And she said, well, you can take a bunch of ibuprofen. And I said, well, isn't that bad for your stomach? And she goes, yeah, but you got bad knees. And I said, well, what else can I do? And she goes, well, I can give you cortisone shots. And I said, doesn't that lead to more degeneration? And she goes, yeah, but you got bad knees. You want to be in pain? I go, I'll pass the cortisone shots. And then I said, like, you help really famous people and athletes all the time. I'm sure there's got to be something that you can do. And she goes, yeah, but you're not one of those people. (laughs) So encouraging. It was such an encouraging conversation. So I left her office thinking lots of like what if things. Like, well, gosh, I got little kids right now. What if I can't play soccer with them? What if I can't run a bike? Because running a bike right now hurts. I go, you know, what if I can't go skiing in the future? I'm, I'm going to try this year. We'll see. Uh, I thought, like, what if I can't walk my daughters down the aisle? I'm going to walk her. It's, that's awkward. I don't want to do that. So I, my mind just races with all these what if thoughts. Am I the only person that does this? Okay, okay, okay. So let's stop. Let's just stop doing that. When we catch ourselves thinking these what-if scenarios, let's catch ourselves and go, no, 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 I'm not going there. And we're going to replace these what-if thoughts with some better thoughts here in just a moment. Uh, another one is, I must worry about fill-in-the-blank. Another fill-in-the-blank kind of question. Uh, graduating, I don't know how polarized the world is, Hawaii uh, going away because of global warming. I don't, I don't know what you, what you worry about, but... There are lots of things you can fill in that, that blank. Jesus says about worry, he says in chapter 6, verse 27 of Matthew, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? He's saying worry changes nothing. It will not, it'll probably shorten your life. He, he goes on to say, who of you by worrying can add a single hair to your head? Here's your case study. Doesn't, doesn't help, does not help, does not help. He's saying worry does not accomplish anything. So why do we do it? So again, been journaling this week, kind of thinking about, why do I do this? Why do I worry? Because I'm really good at, again, I'm a 2 to 4 a.m. person. I I woke up this morning worrying about different things, working on the message, like fixing things, but not really, not really. So three reasons for me. One is I feel safe when I'm worrying. It's like like this superstitious thing. It's like paying worry tax, and if I pay enough worry tax, it's not going to happen to me. Is that ridiculous? It's like, it's like a talisman or a rabbit's foot. It's like, if I just worry enough, then surely these things will not happen to me. Okay, well, that, that's insane. <laughs> Another one is, I think I'm problem-solving when I'm really just worrying. So I tell myself, oh, I'm trying to fix a problem, but I'm not. I'm just wheel-spinning, I'm grinding. Okay? 
Problem solving requires we, we sit down in front of a computer or a pad of paper and we, get, we understand the nature of the problem and our assumptions about it and we brainstorm solutions. We get in a, a back room with our, our team and we do whiteboarding and you know, sticky notes and we, we come up with options and then we pick the best solution. That's problem solving. That's productive. But worrying is not problem solving. It's just wheel spinning. Um, the last one for me is, is that uh, I think I need to worry about stuff to get motivated. If I'll just worry about this problem enough, I'm going to get up there, I'm going to have gumption, I'm going to fix it. But worry is not a sustainable motivation. Neither is fear. I, I never try to like, do fear messages, you know, like Bible-thumping kind of guys. It doesn't work. Like, if, I, if I put fear in you, it'll, it'll go away as soon as you walk out that door. Worry and fear are not good motivators. They're not sustainable. Uh, there are much better motivations, like, like love. Like loving God because he loves you. Loving people because they're just worthy of love. Gratitude for all that God's done for us and all the gifts he constantly gives us. Those are sustainable motivations. Amen? Amen. Okay. So uh, those are a couple thought patterns that we want to become more aware of because we're trying to think about what we think about. Um, one last one is, is this. I must have more money and success. If I just have more money and success, I'll finally have peace and I'll be satisfied. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Does the man speak truth? You know, we think if I just had a little more, bigger portfolio, if I could buy another house, bigger, build a pi bigger pile, I'll finally have peace. I'll, I'll know I can cover all the scenarios, all the, all the what-ifs, right? Working for anybody? Yeah, I'm not against money. I don't think Jesus is against money. I mean, he wants us to cover the basics. He talks about that in Matthew chapter 6. And I, I, I've been in situations where I had very little money, and I've got a little more right now, and this is better. <laughs> this is way better. But the belief that if I just get more, or we just get more, we'll be finally at peace is an illusion. Uh, John D. Rockefeller, who was at the time the richest man I think in the world, was once asked the question, Mr. Rockefeller, how much more money do you need? And he said, just $1 more. That is the insanity of believing we need more to be happy and at peace. Um, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6 of, of his Sermon on the Mount, he really goes deep on this topic, and he links money and our anxiety around money to a lack of peace, and, and he teaches how God's going to take care of you. You need it. The, the antidote to believing money will give you more peace is to trust that God cares about flowers, and he cares about ravens, and so surely he'll take care of you. And he says, if you really want to conquer this belief that money will satisfy you, give some away. Store up some treasure in heaven. Think you're an offering. I'm just throwing that out there. Okay. Um, but, but success is the same thing. You know, we often link money to success, but some of us have like different metrics, and so you want to be the best at something. And uh, you believe if you could just be the best and get to the top of your field that, or whatever you want to be the best at, you'll finally be happy and you'll be satisfied and you'll be at peace with yourself. And if you're younger, this is like an epidemic. Because when you're younger, you, know, you, you haven't tested the world a whole lot, and maybe you had parents that told you, you're going to be the best, Johnny. You're going to be the world's greatest at this. And they, they fed that in you. And um, I, I felt that way growing up. If you're a three on the Enneagram or an eight or maybe a four, maybe you're like really potentially addicted to this belief system. So when I was young, I thought, I'm going to be the best. Like, I was the fast kid, and then I got to, mid to middle school, and I was in this relay team, and we were one of the best in the nation. And I go, there are a few kids that are faster than me. Then I got to college, and I realized, there was a world full of genetic freaks. And I realized, I'm never going to be the fastest. 
So then I changed like, courses, and I was pre-med for a little while, and I realized there's a whole lot of people a whole lot smarter than me. And then I became a leader, and I realized there's a whole lot of leaders who will always be way better than me. And then I became a, a deeper disciple, and I realized, I told Jesus, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you your best. And I realized there's a whole lot of people that have a lot more grace in their lives, a lot more discipline than me, and they're way further than the journey. And so unless your name is Bezos or Bono or Bolt or Beethoven, <laughs> you are not going to be the best in the world. How's that for good news? <laughs> if you're younger, you're not going to be the best. I don't care what your parents said. Okay? I'm giving you a gift right now. Right? Your parents lied to you, okay? <laughs> Unless you're one in seven point whatever billion people, you're never going to be the best. And even if you become one of the best, you're, you're in that handful of elite people, even then, success will not satisfy you or give you peace. Okay? Well, we're going to talk in a few minutes about what really does give us peace. And here's the good news. We can all have peace. We all have equal access the peace of God. We'll talk about that more in, in just a moment. So uh, these are just a few trains of thoughts or ideas that lead us away from the peace of God and get us all kind of bunched up and, and anxious and stressed out. So what I want to do with you right now is I want to talk about replacement therapy, okay? We're, we're going to replace negative thinking with positive thinking based on the promises of God, okay? This isn't just stuff I'm pulling out of the air. This is based on the, the Word of God and, and even the ways of Jesus, all right? So I'm going to share with you uh, some, some ways to conquer these different thought patterns that bring us down and get us all stressed out. So when we're tempted to go with, like, what if, and we start playing the scenarios out and we start risk assessing, let's remind ourselves that God cares. Let's replace what if with God, God cares. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Is that a great promise? Yeah. That, that word for anxiety, it means to be fractured. And God is telling us, if you will cast your anxiety on me, I care for you, and I will reintegrate you, and I will give you peace. But if you're like me, what I'd like for that verse to say is, cast all your anxiety on him, and he will fix your problems. Is that what we want? Like, God, help me get an A so I can graduate. Uh, Help me get out of this tax problem I've got, or bankruptcy, or whatever. Just fix my problem, and I'll be just fine. Can you do that for me? But that's not the promise. Now, sometimes he fixes our problems. Like, he, we, we pray, and he does incredible things. We've seen miracles here at the church. We've seen people free from addiction and, and, and lies and, and poor belief systems. We've seen marriages restored and go from, like, miserable marriages to really satisfying marriages. We've seen some physical miracles in the church. Every once in a while, God gives us a yes. In fact, often he gives us a yes. And sometimes he just does an outright miracle. And so we never want to stop asking God for things because he's a good God, and he loves to say yes when it's in our best interest. But often he says no, because he has a bigger agenda. So if you will, just humor me for a second and blink. Just go, blink. Got that? Okay. That blink is your life in light of eternity. It's so short. And what we want God to do is fix all of our problems during this little blink called life. And sometimes he does. But often he doesn't, because he has a bigger agenda. You see, what he's trying to do is he's trying to help us experience the kingdom of heaven right now and prepare us for a full-on experience of the kingdom of God in the future. And he uses our problems to prepare us and to transform us and help us become more and more like Jesus. So one of the great advantages of being a father, like forever, (laughs) because I I got old kids and young kids, is so many times I'm I'm having experience with my kids and I go, "Oh, oh, oh, this is what God is like with me. 
So a uh, picture of my son, please. Where is he? Yeah. Isn't he a cutie? Yeah, he's, I love my kids. They bring me so much joy, even though they're exhausting me. Um, so on, on uh, what was it, Tuesday morning, we were in the hospital, and this is before they started sedating him, and he had no idea what was going on. He's just happy, because he's a happy, joyful kid. And, and then they, uh, they gave him this sedative, and they put it in his nose, they said, oh, this is going to be great. He's going to just kind of slowly drift off to sleep. Not my kid. <laughs> like, he started, it, it had just the opposite reaction. He got really anxious. He got stressed out. He was like a buck. He's only 25 pounds, but the kid's strong. He was like bucking me and like throwing his head back and hitting me in the chest. And he wanted me to fix the problem. Like, he's like, I don't want to go to sleep. I want to play. And, and I couldn't. And I wouldn't because I had a bigger plan. But I kept letting him know, I care about you. I kept telling him, I love you. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We were trying to solve a bigger problem. Um, the problem was he's, he was tongue-tied. And I thought that was a metaphor. But I realized that's like a real thing. It's that little thing. Do you want to see mine? I'm going to show you anyway. <laughs> uh-huh. And, and on, um, on some people, it's really, it's really short and it's really long. And that's what he had. And they were going to come in and snip it because uh, he needs to be able to talk. He, he couldn't, he's behind on speech and, and eating. And, you know, he's going to be a future preacher. We've got to fix this thing. So, uh, so they did the surgery. He came out, like, for the first time ever. I could see his tongue. His tongue actually came out of his mouth. I go, whoa, there it is. And, uh, and what he didn't know is we had a bigger agenda. He was just angry that in the moment I wouldn't fix this problem. I kept saying, I can't fix your problem. I, I, it's not what's best for you, but I care about you. But I'm doing something way bigger here. I want you to be able to eat, talk, kiss your future wife like they do over in France. You know, I want, I want, I want you to... Enjoy life, and this thing is going to keep you from enjoying life. And, and, and God does the exact same thing to us, does he not? We don't understand why he won't fix our little problems, but he's trying to fix a much bigger problem. He, he's trying to help us get ready for a future with himself. Because this little blink we call life is a test. Do we trust God? Do we believe he cares for us? Or are we just going to take care of ourselves and live life in our own power? That's the test. And that determines our eternal future. Okay, so we're going to replace what if thinking with God cares thinking, and we're going to replace I must worry about from the blank thinking with God is faithful. God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. What a great promise. That, that promise is telling us that when we're tempted, the word there for temptation could be a temptation to sin, to do things we know we shouldn't do, or it can be a test, just a trial we're facing, whatever that is for you. Uh, it's saying that God is faithful, he's with you, and he will provide a way out. With God, there's always a way. There's always a way. And Jesus experienced this. You know, Jesus fully God, fully human, but he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's a very human time for him. And if you read the accounts, he prays over and over and over, God, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Three times. Please, please, please. Every time God says, no, no, no. So if God isn't fixing your problems and answering your prayers, you're in good company. Jesus had that same experience because God had a bigger agenda. And and Jesus, I don't know how much he knew, but I, I believe because he was limited in the confines of a physical body, he didn't know a lot. I, I believe he knew he was getting ready to suffer and probably on a cross because that's what Romans did to people who were like political rivals and that's what, how they saw him. 
He knew he would suffer. He would be hanging naked from his mom and women he loved and respected, and he'd It'd be a long, slow death. He, he knew that was going to happen. I know he knew about a resurrection because he taught about it before it happened. Beyond that, we don't know how much he knew would happen. But on the other side of the cross, there was a resurrection. We have an Easter Sunday, and that's the hope of the world. And so God turned his pain into, into our promise. And I think, this is how I think about it, the Heavenly Father is with Jesus, and they're, they're constantly talking about all that's happening every single moment of every single day because of the cross and the resurrection. I think God the Father is saying to Jesus, hey, there's another one. Just got saved. Saved. That one just signed up for apprenticeship. That's going to change her life forever. Uh, because of you, that marriage just got healed. That person just got freed from addiction. I think that's probably going on all the time. And so Jesus, on the other side of, of his cross, he's seen the fruits of his suffering. And he's realizing at a deeper and deeper level all the time, God is faithful. I don't know how that works for him being a Trinitarian stuff. I don't know how that works. I just believe that's what happened. So God is faithful. He's faithful. It's, we're, we're starting to worry about stuff. Go, okay, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to trust with God. There's always a way because he's faithful. All right. Uh, we're going to replace I must have more money or more success with God is with me. God is with me. Uh, at the end of the Great Commission, our, our assignment from God, we're told to make apprentices of Jesus. It says in verse 20, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you. What a gift that is. That is so much better than success. And last week, I had this, this moment in the 9 o'clock service, and it was just a fun weekend. I was just like so grateful for the honor of being the pastor of this church and all the stories of life change, and we were celebrating. It was so festive. It was just awesome. And I sat in that really bad chair over there that no one ever sits in. It's empty right now. Uh, I was sitting over there because there weren't hardly any chairs, and I was, I was worshiping, but then I just slowed down for a moment, and I felt like God was speaking to me. In fact, I know he was speaking to me. And if you've never had this experience, I don't know how to communicate it to you, but it's like the Holy Spirit does something in your heart, and then these, like the words just sort of show up in your head. But it starts here, not here. Am I crazy? And, and you just know he's saying something to you. You just know. It's this existential spiritual thing. And what I sensed God saying to me was, if you never accomplish anything else, it's okay. I just want to be with you. I just want you to be with me. Now, my interpretation is not that I'm supposed to like, quit. Uh, we've got great things ahead of us. But my interpretation is God wants me to double down on my time with him and enjoy his presence more than ever. And so I'm doing it. Like I'm getting up early to walk. I'm, I'm spending more time just in silence, which is really hard for me, just trying to enjoy his presence. I'm memorizing, meditating more, doing more centering prayer because I'm never more satisfied than when I'm in his presence. Amen, anybody? So when we want more and we think more will make us happier and more peaceful, let's remember really what satisfies us is that God is with us right now. Okay. All right, so I want to give you a tool that will help you like, practice replacing anxiety-inducing thoughts with peace-promoting thoughts, okay? And, and this, this tool has a lot of research behind it. In the field of, of positive or happiness psychology, they often use this tool, uh, cognitive behavioral therapists. I read this book on phobias and anxiety this week, and it was like a major tool they, they, they use. And, and, but more importantly, it's a tool that Jesus used. And it's a tool of affirmations based on the promises of God. Not just affirmations we make up, you know, but based on the promises of God. And you see Jesus doing this all the time. When he's tempted and he's stressed out, he would quote scripture to himself or to Satan. He was just constantly practicing, affirming himself 
who he was in light of the Father's love over and over and over again. Affirmation, affirmation, affirmation based on Scripture. So, so I, I wish I could share the affirmations I use. I did this like three years ago, but it's been an evolving process for me. But if you go to our notes, I've got 15 affirmations that I say to myself about three or four times a week. And, and I have the scriptures that they're based on. And I'm not suggesting you use mine. I'm suggesting you find your own and create your own. But just to give you a, for, a feel for this, I'm going to share with you seven, but again, without the scriptures. So just ask yourself, would this help you if you did this on a regular basis? So I, I have a garage, office, gym kind of thing. In the morning, I go out there, and I kind of wrap up my time with God, and I, I often will read these to myself out loud. It's really important you do it out loud, and you, you let, let yourself feel this stuff, okay? So here, here's mine. I'm totally surrendered to Jesus. He is my one true king. I love my wife with all my heart and soul and gladly lay down my life for her daily. I disciple my kids based on their unique gifts and personalities. This is my most important ministry. I am loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and I have unlimited self-control because the Holy Spirit is inside of me. I embrace suffering as a gift that makes me more intimate with Jesus. I will not grow as a disciple or leader beyond my capacity for pain. My thoughts, ideas, and imagination are surrendered to Jesus. I have the mind of Christ. I am a servant leader. The world will become a better place today because I laid down my life for others just as Jesus laid down his life for me. Is that some good stuff? That's like F-16 rocket fuel. You douse yourself in it, you light a match, you go out into the world. Like, you feel like you can conquer everything. I, I, by the time I get through with all 15 of them, I get, I get more and more animated, I get more fired up. I'm like, I'm like ready to storm the gates of hell with a squirt gun and not even check to see if it's loaded. I'm like, let's go. I get you, man. It's a powerful tool. And so I'm going to encourage you to do this. Maybe you just start small. Maybe you just Google promises of God or something like that. Look at scriptures and find, find a promise or two that really speaks to you. Like, man, I need to embrace that. I, I need to make that promise my promise and then turn it into an affirmation. And just try this for a week or so and see if it doesn't change your state of being and the way you feel. See if it doesn't bring you more peace. All right. I want to end with a story. I, I read a book this week by James Allen. I'll tell you the title in a moment. But I read about his biography, like his history. And he, he grew up in the 1800s around London. And his father worked in the textile industry. And his mom was illiterate, didn't have any skills. And so, you know, she just kind of managed things at home. And, and yet, uh, dad was able to provide enough money, but not too much, but just enough to be able to send his two sons to school. And James, James loved school. He loved literature, loved writing. And uh, then there was a, a turn in the economy, especially in the, the textile industry, and so he lost his job. And so James's father came to the U.S., had just enough money to sail over here, hoping he could get a job and kind of rebuild a life and then have enough money to sail them you know, over the ponds and just start over again. But his first week in the U.S., in New York City, he was robbed and he was killed. And so James and his brother and mother found out about this, and they realized, well, life is just going to get that much harder. And so he had to quit school and get a job as his mom and his brother, and they just kind of scraped by for several years. But he chose not to be a victim of his circumstances. And so he began to saturate himself with the scriptures and with what theologians call natural theology, just truths that we can see based on the way things are. And he filled his mind with poetry, and he began to just collect positive thoughts based on truth. And he filled his mind with these thoughts. 
And slowly but surely, his life turned around. And he became an editor, and then he got married. His wife loved him, and his, he had sons and daughters, and they loved him and spoke very well of him long after he passed away. And he became a pretty popular author. And, and the book that really uh, was like his sort of outbreak in terms of popularity and being renowned was titled, As a Man Thinketh. And for many, many decades, it was a bestseller. In fact, it's still a very popular book. And it's loosely based on Proverbs 23.7, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. And, and he began to attract all kinds of people who are thought leaders and people of influence. And he just had a great life because he chose not to be a victim of his circumstances. He believed that with God, God's help and God's promises, he could transcend his circumstances. But it all began with what he thought about. And so restoration, as we leave here today, I want to encourage you to think about what you think about. And to replace those thought patterns and beliefs and sentences you say to yourself that lead to anxiety, replace them with positive affirmations and sentences based on the truth of God and the promises of God. Because God does not want us to live anxious, stressed out lives. He wants us to have the mind of Christ and therefore the peace of Christ. And so will you receive this today? If so, say amen. That's my church. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you that your spirit's here right now speaking to every single one of us. Thank you that you do not want us to be anxious and stressed out. You want us to have lives that are filled with the peace of Christ, a peace that transcends our understanding and our circumstances. And so right now we receive this gift from you. We receive your peace in Jesus' name. I'm going to speak uh, briefly to those of you here in the room or online or who will be listening to the podcast later, that if you're honest, you would say, I'm not at peace with God, and I'm not sure how to make peace with God. And, and maybe you've tried like self-salvation efforts, trying to like, you know, fly straighter, be more moral, meditate more, whatever, and it's just not working. I, I want to share with you what does work, and that is receiving the salvation that Jesus Christ offers you and acknowledging him as the Lord of your life. Because he went to the cross to deal with your biggest problem. You may or may not be aware of this, but your biggest problem is, is sin. It's in your nature. And it keeps you from experiencing the peace that God wants to give you. And you can't fix this problem. You can't manage your way out of it. All you can do is receive the gift of salvation and forgiveness and grace and mercy that Jesus won for you on the cross. And so right now, if you want to experience that peace, I want to invite you to pray with me. A very simple prayer. Let's pray. If this is your prayer, say amen here just a moment. Jesus, I believe that you went to the cross to forgive my sin and to lavish grace and love on me. And so right now, I receive these gifts in faith. And I thank you for the resurrection and the hope that on the other side of all my crosses, there will be a resurrection. And that one day, I will rise from the dead and you will restore all things I put my faith in this right now. I receive your salvation. I thank you for your salvation. I thank you that right now, because I've received what you've done for me, I am now at peace with God. And I acknowledge you as the Lord of my life. I want to be your apprentice. I want to be in your way, but I want to learn your ways as well and become more and more like you, filled with your peace 
so that I can bring peace into the world, a world that is starving for the peace of God. This is my prayer. If it's your prayer, say amen. We put our hands together for people who are receiving Jesus' salvation today in the room and online. If you just made that private decision, I want to encourage you to couple it with a public declaration. So tell somebody. It'll strengthen what you're experiencing in your heart right now. Uh, let us know in the back of your connection card. I'd encourage you to get baptized as soon as possible. If you have questions about that, go to uh, Growth Track Step 1. We talk about baptism and the gospel and developing a spiritual growth plan. I want to encourage you to take some next steps that will deepen your peace with God.